Last week, we started talking about this uh, statement, we are the church. And when we look at that statement and we, and we think about what that means to us, maybe what that means to you individually, what that means to us uh, as, as a church, but also thinking maybe about what does that mean to other people? Uh, what does that mean to people outside? Um, when we say this statement, this is, a, this is an important statement. Um, this idea, the purpose of the local church, um, the church is a place to serve, it's a, it's a place to be connected, it's a place to, uh, to, to live on mission for God. It's a place for us, we you know, almost like to say that it's our headquarters, like our jumping off place to, to go reach the world. Uh, you know, that sign out there that's uh, over the door that says, you are essential, be the church, almost uh, similar to how, you know, Notre Dame's got that sign over the, I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but um, over top of the, uh, the door when they run out, I'm sure some of you have seen that, it's almost that kind of idea, like we're going out into the world to be the church and, uh, and, and to, to reach people for him. And so in order for us to continue to do that, in order for us to remain the awesome community of believers uh, that we are, this purpose-driven group um, of people that, that make up Connect Church, we need to keep the main things. We need to keep the things that keep us moving forward in front of us. We need to keep things like our core values right in front of us, or at least to the side of us. Um, as maybe you've uh, noticed these, uh, these core values that are now on the wall here, and if you haven't, seriously, we just put them up, they're huge, they're right there. Um, that's all seven core values uh, of Connect Church, and they're gonna stay there for, for a while. Uh, they may move in various places over the course of time, but this is one way that we can keep these things in front of us, and it's one thing to just write them down and stick them on the wall, it's quite another to actually continue to live them out and to move forward with them and continue letting these core values that are all based on scripture drive us forward in terms of what we're supposed to be as the church and also being honest about maybe what we're not. Who are we? Why are we? What is our purpose? Last week, we talked about the importance of serving talked about the importance of serving, how you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving, as I love to say. And, and we said that we are the church when we serve others. We are the church when we serve others. And so we talked about the core values, and we're going to talk about a few more of them today. We're going to talk specifically about growth in community today is what we're going to look at. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I just kind of found this out this past week. Um, did you know that a uh, a one-hour-old baby, a one-hour-old baby can actually distinguish their mother's voice from another person. A one-hour-old can distinguish their mother's voice from another person. That's crazy to me. Notice how that specifically says their mother's voice, because clearly my kids are still trying to figure out my voice at times and all of that, and, and they're more than an hour old, but that's, that's fine. Um, but the thing is, it's crazy how they can, a, a one hour old can distinguish their mother's voice. And you know what? For us, we need to be able to distinguish the voice of God in our lives as well by watching, listening, spending time, uh, focused time with the Lord. We can learn to recognize his voice. We can learn to recognize his voice, to walk in his ways. But here's the thing. We can't do it all on our own and too often we try. Uh, 
We try to do it all on our own. We think that we can do it all on our own. And the reason I'm using the, the baby as an analogy there is because I don't think there's anybody here that believes that a baby would grow or mature or whatever all on their own. If they were just left on their own, if they would be able to grow. Nobody, nobody believes that. And as followers of Jesus, we end up, though, thinking that we can grow on our own if we're just left alone, if we're just by ourselves, if, if, if we're just doing it on our own, we think that maybe we can grow in that way. And, and we can't. A baby can't be left alone and, and be expected to grow, and neither can we. And that's not how God wants us to be either. God doesn't want us to attempt to just grow all on our own, all by ourselves. Another one of the core values that we're going to look at today says this. We believe that followers of Christ will actively pursue spiritual growth. We believe that followers of Christ will actively pursue spiritual growth. You can find uh, the evidence of this in Ephesians chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 12, Philippians chapter 1, and Romans chapter 12. Among other places, Scripture is really clear that we should be growing on a regular basis. And let me look at Romans chapter 12 here for just a second to call one out specifically. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, so what does that look like for us? I've had people ask me the question at different times, why, why don't I hear God's voice? Why don't I hear God's voice here? Why don't I know what he wants for me or from me? Why can I not discern that sometimes? Why can I not distinguish that? Paul's really clear about the way that we can distinguish the voice of God in our life, or at least get better at hearing the voice of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life and for mine. And that is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so if we are not growing in our relationship with the Lord, if we're not growing in our knowledge of God, then how are we going to really discern his voice if we're not growing in that at all? And if we think that just trying to do that all on our own is going to get us there, then we're fooling ourselves. Because change and growth in our understanding of God, you can only get so far on your own. It's not just an individual or personal thing. Yes, there are aspects of it that should be. No question about it. Do I believe that all of us here should have maybe a daily uh, time that you get into God's word and that you study God's word on your own? I do, absolutely. As followers of Jesus, if you don't have that set aside time every day to spend time with God, to get into his word, boy, are you messing out. You definitely need to do that. If this is your only time, you need to find that time that you can get with the Lord. But it also can't be just that as well. It can't be just that. This can't be all of it, not even close. And if you think this morning counts, if you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm with a group of believers here today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back on that. I don't agree. Don't, you can't count this. This isn't the same. This isn't the same. This is important. Don't get me wrong. Us coming together as the church, this is important for edifying and encouraging and uplifting each other and teaching. 
This isn't necessarily growth in the way that God intends it through community and relationships and, and interaction. Think about the disciples. Oh, excuse me, as you can tell, I got a little something going on here today, so forgive me. But think about the disciples and the way in which they grew. The way in which they grew and the times in which Jesus really impacted their life. Was it the times when, when Jesus was giving the big, huge sermon? Was it, was it the times when, when he was preaching to a huge crowd? Did those things make a difference? Yeah. But think about some of the stories maybe that you know of, say, Peter or the story of Doubting Thomas. Some of the other stories in there where, where it was really these small, quiet, intimate moments where it was just a few of them. And that is really how they grew. The disciples really grew through community and relationships and interactions. They learned from Jesus' sermons. Absolutely, they did. But they grew in the relational moments. They grew in the conversations and the object lessons that involved them. If you really think about the stories that impact us that we read back through the Gospels, those are really the ones where we see the growth taking place. Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached, absolutely. So many amazing things we can take from that. That's why we spent like five weeks on it. But at the same time, the real growth came in those individual uh, times where it was just a few of them and where they would have that community time together to grow. Look at what John Wesley said. He said, Christianity is not a religion for solitude and solitary. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion, and he's completely right. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. You won't find it in Scripture, and if you do, please let me know because it's, it's not there. But just coming to church once a week or maybe twice a month is only going to get you so far in your relationship with God. This is very important. This is crucial. Yes, absolutely, all those things. I'm not trying to diminish the Sunday service when we get together. Um, but if this is all that fits in your schedule right now, okay, that's great. Make sure that at least this stays in your schedule. But this shouldn't be it for your relationship with God. This can't be it for your relationship with God and for you to continue to grow. We need each other outside of this time each week. And that's why another one of our core values is that we believe life change happens best in community. And you know why we believe that? Because Jesus believed that. And you know why Jesus believed that? Because that's how he created us to be. And he proved it. Because the life change that happened in the disciples came in moments of community. The life change that happened in the people that he interacted with and the people that he just showed up and changed their world happened in moments of community. Look at the first church in Acts chapter two, verses 46 through 47 says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their own homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And it backs up to this idea of community. 
The Christian life is meant to be full of community, sharing with one another. That's why life change happens best in community because we all share the same things. Think about the things that we share as the community of God, as a community of believers, the things that we share. We share the same Lord. We share the same uh, guide for life in scripture. I hope at least that as, as a community of believers that we're looking to scripture as our guidebook for life and then some. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship him. We share the same struggles. We share the same victories. We share a lot of the same things, the same job of living for him. All of us are, are trying, or at least we should be, trying to live for him more. We share the same passion for communicating the gospel to people. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there is at least one person here that has gone through or is going through the same type of thing that you are going through or have gone through. That's what a community of believers is for. The same life experiences. We can help each other. We can grow from each other and with each other together if we will just pursue it but we don't always pursue it. This is why life groups is such a big push for me and for us as a church is because that time that we come together is, is so much better and different than the time that, that we can get together in other ways. It's not, not necessarily a better or worse, but in addition to, it's almost, it almost fills out that time of, of being in relationships with other people and relationship with God, and you can grow in ways that you can't hear. I love my life group. The fact that I can get together with some people during the week and, and that we can talk back and forth and we can grow, and yeah, they bust my chops occasionally because I'm the pastor sitting in their life group and all that stuff, and I get it, and I probably would too, and you would too, and it's fine. Um, but at the same time, they don't hold that against me, and we can grow and we can be honest about things. It's why life groups are at the core, are a core value and the foundation of this core value because the church is meant to worship God and learn his word together. We're meant to do that together. It's not meant to just stop there though because God wants us to share our lives with each other as well. Not just to get together like we're all going to a class and learning, but to also share our lives with each other and to grow in our lives with each other. The, the church is meant to worship God and to grow in his word together. And if we make the example of the church in Acts chapter two a core value to follow, then guess what? God's going to take care of growing the church himself, not us. We don't grow the church. God grows the church. Jesus grows the church, and he does it through community. He does it through community, and people are attracted to that because that's how God made us. God created us to be in relationship with him and with others. We are relational beings. It's how God made us, but we're also really good, really good, at finding discouragement and allowing that to drag us down. Discouragement tells us to avoid community when we need it the most, be honest. You know I'm right. Discouragement tells us to avoid community when we need it the most. When, when we need it the most, when, when we are getting 
uh, when, when things in our life are, seem like they're falling apart, and that's really when we need to draw close to our church family. That's when we need to draw close to those that we know love us and are going to point us to Jesus. And unfortunately, discouragement right here, that's what pulls us away. It tells us to avoid community. It tells us to avoid coming together at the very time that we need it the most. Listen, I'm just as guilty of this. I'm guilty of this within the last week. I'll be honest with you. Because these games that we start playing in our head, these things we turn away from community and we give way into discouragement. I guarantee you, if you think about somebody maybe that you know in your life or, or maybe, maybe somebody here, even today or watching online right now, that maybe you'd fallen away from, from church for a little while or something along those lines, I can almost guarantee you it started here. It started here with just a little bit of discouragement and it started to fester. And the first thing that you did, which should, which should have been, the, which was absolutely the worst thing to do, is you pulled away from Christian community because you were discouraged. And, and those false scenarios that run through our mind, discouragement festers where God's people are not encouraging each other. And that's on us because we should be encouraging one another as well. And if we're not encouraging, then the equal and opposite is going to be true, discouraging. And so we need to be encouraging each other when we do get together, but we also have to have these times of community that are intentional and put into our life there to keep discouragement from happening. We're gonna get discouraged. Discouragement is going to happen. But this is where we as the church need to be able to come alongside each other and to love each other, to lift each other up. Because the distractions that come from discouragement are then going to make us take our priorities and, and change them. They're going to lower our priorities of church and they're going to lower our priorities of getting together with other believers. And they're going to make us think that that's, that's not what we want, that maybe what I need to do right now is I need to just pull back and I need to step away. And to be honest, the complete opposite is what's true. We start believing the fake highlights that are going through our head and we create these self-fulfilling prophecies that uh, we, we don't matter or this person doesn't even care about me because I haven't heard from them in X amount of time. And maybe that's not the case at all. Maybe they don't even know how to reach out to you. Or maybe they feel have felt completely shunned on the other side of it. Believe me, there's blame to go around on all sides of things like that. At the end of the day, though, if we were encouraging to each other and we were fostering Christian community, discouragement would have a much tougher time taking hold of us, wouldn't it? It would. See, Jesus meets us in the middle of this. Jesus meets us in the midst of one another to stir up love, to stir up good works and, and encouragement. That's why it says this in Hebrews. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There it is. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day meaning the day Jesus returns. See, sometimes we only go to church when we feel like we need it. And man, that just couldn't be more wrong. Our motivation for coming together should be to obey God, to give to others, to encourage each other. Even when we feel like we, we don't want to. 
Even when we feel like we don't need it, that's when we need it the most. We can and we should gather together and encourage each other and stand strong with each other against the tidal wave of discouragement that this world loves to just dump on us all the time. On a regular basis, this world loves to just discourage us. And we know that our enemy, we know that the devil, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, is like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He's walking around like a roaring lion, is what it says. Think about that. He's going after you where you're the absolute weakest because that's what a lion does. It's funny, I was watching this, uh, this little show about a safari and I'm not the outdoors guy, all right? I'm not a hunter or any of those kinds of things. And I know a couple of people that, that are. And, uh, but as, as I'm watching this show, and these people are about to go on a safari, um, they talk about what the first rule of the safari is before you go out. Now, I don't know if anybody here has been on a safari. Maybe your first rule was different than this. This one seemed to make a lot of sense to me. Again, not the outdoors hunter guy. But this seemed to make sense to me. The first rule for this group going out of safari was always stay with the group. This seems to make sense because I don't know about you, but when I think safari, I don't think about people hunting like squirrel, right? We're not out hunting squirrel when we're hunting on, on a safari. Generally, I would think you're hunting things like lions or other big animals that can kill you a lot. And when you're out with with a group of people and you're hunting animals on a safari in, you know, and you're waiting for Mufasa to come up and, and take you down, I want to stay with the group, right? And so this seemed to make a whole lot of sense to me because when you go out into the world and when we leave here and we leave this place and we leave the safety of the church, if you want to call it that, when we go out into that world, we need to, to make sure maybe that we stay with the group. Now, don't, don't, mis, don't misinterpret that as saying that we need to be this exclusive club because that's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is the idea of Christian community and bringing people in together with it, that we need to always stay with the group so that we can be encouraging, so that we can protect each other, so that we can lift each other up and push each other forward as we're trying to make a difference in this world for the kingdom of God. The same rule applies to believers as it does to the safari for some of and most of the same reasons. Because if we become isolated, we become weak, we become weakened, we become more vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. And if we just continue to pull ourselves back in a way, we become more vulnerable and more weakened and more ready to just be attacked. And the next thing you know, we, we've lost that particular person completely. See, we gather, when we get together, we gather to receive something from God together each week and each time that we get together to give something to God. We gather so that we can give something to God as well, to, to encourage each other by our shared faith and our shared values, to bless one another, to bless one another when we get together, to work together like the community missions team has done already a couple of times and various other things like that, like we're gonna get to do next weekend for the outdoor service, to work together to bless each other and encourage each other and lift one another up. Rather than attending church on a come and go basis, 
We should actually strive to be connected to each other even more in authentic, godly community. We've got midweek ministry starting back up. This next week, week of September 5th, starting next week, different things are starting back up. Wednesdays are coming back uh, for our, our kids and our youth. We've got life groups that are kicking back up. I know some took a break for the summer. Life groups are kicking back up. Different opportunities to get involved in community. We've got Bible studies that are coming up a couple of weeks later. Listen, life groups are the perfect, perfect way to foster exactly what we're talking about today. September 19th, I want you to mark that down. If you're not in a life group right now, I would just ask you to, and, and you, may, you may have whatever kind of preconceived notion about a life group right now, and that's fine. Let that just sit. It's fine. Let, let God change that. September 19th, if you're not in a life group, we're going to have what we're calling a life group connections event. And it's going to be in here. We did this a couple of years ago when we first launched life groups. And we walked out of here with like 12 to 14 life groups. And a majority of them are still meeting right now. And we've had, we've had new groups be created as well. And, and as awesome as it is that we have a bunch of life groups that are, still ha that are happening right now, it's great. We need more. Because I know, because I can look around here, and I, and I know, because I look at the list, I know that not all of us here are involved in a life group and involved in Christian community in that way. And we need to try to be as best as we possibly can. And so I want to give an opportunity for that to happen. I would just ask you to just humor me and pray about it. Humor me and pray about it because I promise you, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. September 19th at 6.30, we're going to meet right in here and we're going to create some new life groups if we can, or maybe, maybe we'll need to split a couple life groups and, and go from there. We will see what happens that day. But it's, it's going to be a great, great thing to be able to get involved in a life group. If you haven't done it yet, here's a perfect excuse. September 19th, which is also Back to Church Sunday, National Back to Church Sunday is that day. September 25th is the Women's Conference. There's another great opportunity, a whole day together of community, ladies. It's going to be a great, great day. There are all kinds of opportunities that we have to share, to gather, to be encouraged, to encourage each other, to be a community of believers that makes a huge difference in your walk and with your Lord and with your relationships with others, with your family. It makes a difference. And that's why our connection point for the day is this is that we are the church when we are connected to each other through Jesus. It's a really simple idea. I get it. It's a really simple idea. But we are the church when we are connected to each other through Jesus. And quite frankly, if we're not connected to each other through Christian community, I don't know if we can say we are the church. In fact, we can't. If we're not connected to each other through Christian community, then we're not being the church. Because as we know, the church isn't a building, it's a people. It's not a destination. It's an identity. We are the church. And when we go out into that world, we believe that the local church is the hope for this world. And that's you and that's me. And we're not ready for what this world has if we go out all on our own without our family without our community, 
If it's just this every week and this is great, don't get me wrong, but if it's just this, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out on what more God wants to do in your life. You probably don't even realize how much you're missing out on it, but you will as soon as you realize that you didn't have it there. That's why we like to say life is better connected. And yes, our faith must be based on a personal relationship with Jesus, that one-on-one, no doubt. But we can't do it all alone. It can't just, it can't stop there for our relationship to continue to grow with him. We can't do it alone. We're not meant to do it alone. We have to pursue genuine community with other believers. Let me just say it this way. There is someone here. There is someone here that needs you. And there is someone here that you need. You just probably don't realize it.